at Southern Company, we know the right solutions start with the right questions. How do we deliver reliable energy and overcome unpredictable challenges? How do we get to net zero carbon emissions and ensure communities thrive? How do we deliver affordable energy today and tomorrow? Southern Company, building the future of energy. Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to Insung on oneplace.com. And now it's time for Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Hello, this is In Sung Kim from Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. We are having the second program with Kathy Harrod, President of Center for Arizona Policy uh, today. And she is a um, recipient of the Family Champion Award from the Focus on the Family and the William uh, Wilberforce Award from the Students of Life of America. And uh, Deborah Award of the Family Life Radio and Alliance Freedom, uh, Defending Freedom, uh, recognized Kathy and Cap as Alliance Award 2014. And thank you so much for serving, Arizona. Well, it's a blessing and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Um, over the years, I'm learning a lot from the Cap about how this, especially in the issue of abortion, and and I I do believe that there are many people out there actually do not understand or do not know uh, the legal process of this abortion issue from the day one to today. So would you share a little bit of brief history from the the Roe versus Wade to all the way to reversal of the Roe versus Wade and what's happening uh, each state? Sure. So in 1973. The United States Supreme Court issued a, a decision that's called Roe v. Wade. Prior to that time, a number of states did not have abortion being legal. A woman could not get a legal abortion. Um, there are a few states like California and New York that had legalized abortion, but in a state like Arizona, Arizona was not abortion was not legal for women to get abortions on January 22, 1973, unless the abortion was necessary to save her life. And if a doctor performed an abortion or anyone performed an abortion, they could be punished with a prison sentence. So what happened um, in January 22, 1973, was that the United States Supreme Court overturned every state's law that outlawed abortion. And the U.S. Supreme Court declared that every woman in this country had a legal right to an abortion, a constitutional right to an abortion. Mm -hmm. Now, legal scholars on all sides of the abortion issue have agreed that it was one of the worst decisions in U.S. Supreme Court history as far as how it was written, how it was the legal theory, that basically they had enough votes on the U.S. Supreme Court to invent a constitutional right to an abortion. So since 1973, from 1973 to 2022, you had states would try to regulate abortion in different ways. So, for example, in Arizona, 
we had been able to say that um, you could not use the partial that the partial birth abortion procedure was not legal. Partial birth abortion is a very gruesome legal procedure. I mean, abortion procedure that's used toward the end of the baby's gestational age, so the baby could be about to be born, and they basically um, take the baby's life before it's born. Um, we've been able to do things like require clinic uh, health and safety regulations for abortion clinics that before a woman has an abortion. She has a 24-hour waiting period where she has to be given an ultrasound. She has a right to view that ultrasound. She has to be told about the risk of the abortion procedure, what her alternatives are, and then have 24 hours to think about it. Parents have a right to be um, to give their consent to their minor daughter getting an abortion, or the daughter has to go to court and get what's called a bypass, a court order, to have the abortion. Um, in more recent years, the Arizona legislature passed a law that said that no abortions could happen in our state after 15 weeks gestational age. So that means that um, when a, a woman's pregnant, that her unborn child cannot be older than 15 weeks in utero inside the mother. Um, the mother can't get an abortion after 15 weeks. So we've had um, a mother can't get an abortion simply because of the baby's race or sex. So we've had a number of, of pro-life laws that have been designed to protect the baby's life and to look out for the mother's health and safety. So what happened in um, 2022 was that the state of Mississippi had passed a law that outlawed abortions after 15 weeks, just like what Arizona has today. When Mississippi did that, and it was challenged in court, and in federal court, and the U.S. Supreme Court had to decide whether they upheld Mississippi's 15-week law, and Mississippi asked the court, the U.S. Supreme Court, to overturn its Roe versus Wade decision. And so that's what the U.S. Supreme Court did on June 24, 2022. The U.S. Supreme Court overturned the Roe versus Wade decision, saying that the decision on abortion laws, that there was no, they, they could not find a constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion in the U.S. Constitution, and that the decision on abortion laws was up to the people through their elected representatives. So what that means is whether it's the United States Congress and the president, because we elect those representatives, or whether it's in state legislature and governors throughout the country, that's where the decisions on abortion laws would be made. So when that decision came down, um, Attorney General at the time in Arizona was a man named Mark Brnovich. So the, the legal theory, the thinking was that, okay, when, when the U.S. Supreme Court issued Roe in 1973, Arizona did not have legalized abortion. We had that law that said abortion wasn't legal. So now that Roe was removed, and that was no longer blocking that law from being enforced, that should mean that Arizona's law, saying that abortion's not legal, not available, unless necessary to save the life of the mother, should be back in effect and be enforceable. So Attorney General, then Attorney General Mark Brnovich, filed a motion in, in state court to have that law enforced. He won in um, Pima County Superior Court, then lost to the Arizona Court of Appeals, and now on December 12th is when the Arizona Supreme Court will determine what the abortion law is in Arizona. So that, that's kind of the history. So we're waiting to see an Arizona Supreme Court decision on whether Arizona will only block abortions after 15 weeks gestational age of the unborn child, or will abortion will not be legal in our state at all, unless necessary to save the life of the mother. So that, that's kind of where we are legally on what's going on with um, the issue of with um, whether abortion is going to be lawful or not in our state. 
But how come? So, uh, women's lives are protected because um, they are allowing abortion if the the life of a woman in danger. Why the pro-choice people are preaching um, that we're taking all the rights away? Well, because if this because if if the pre-roll law in Arizona goes into effect, mm-hmm. abortion will not be legal. And a woman will not be able to get an abortion in our state unless it's necessary to save the life, her life. And so she will have to go to a state like California mm-hmm. or New Mexico mm-hmm. to get a legal abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the other side, I would say that the abortion industry, um, groups like Planned Parenthood, they believe and they've advocated for years that a woman should be able to get an abortion for any reason at any stage of her pregnancy. So whatever they may tell you, they do support abortion up until birth, and they think it's totally up to the woman on whether or not she has an abortion. And, you know, what we say in the pro-life movement is we love them both. Mm -hmm. I'm as concerned about the woman walking into an abortion clinic Mm -hmm. as I am about her unborn child. Mm -hmm. So we want to support both woman and child and protect both of their lives. You know, the thing, you know, we had Roe versus Wade for almost 50 years saying abortion was legal. And we learned a lot in those years. We learned through ultrasound that unborn children, um, that by the time a wom- most women know that they're pregnant, a heartbeat is detectable in the unborn child. We know at what stages the unborn child can make a fist, can flip over, can smile. We see ultrasound images that clearly show the humanity of the unborn child as early as, what, eight, nine weeks, maybe even seven weeks. And so we know that the humanity of the unborn child, that it is a life separate from the mother, You simply can't deny that fact. Science proves that. So we know something else that's just as important. We know that abortion hurts women. Mm -hmm. We have statistic after statistic that shows us that women who have abortion have greater complications in subsequent pregnancies. They have a greater um, risk of suicide. I mean, we could go on and on with the complications that happen from women having abortions. A woman who has a chemical abortion, meaning that she takes abortion pills rather than has surgery, that a woman who has a chemical abortion, if she has an ectopic pregnancy and it's not discovered, her life is really endangered, even more so than it, it, it is anyway from an ectopic pregnancy. So we know that abortion, you know, I always say, we know abortion stops the beating heart, that it takes the life of the unborn child. That's what abortion is. But we also know that abortion harms women and that abortion hurts women. Mm-hmm. And we know that we have many walking wounded among us, women who've had abortion, and who has suffered great, greatly, either physically, you know, physiologically or emotionally, from having had that abortion. And so that's why in the pro-life movement, we want to love them both. We want to support mother and child. Almost 50 pregnancy centers are in, in the state of Arizona that stand ready to help women who are facing unplanned um, crisis pregnancies that are there to help walk them through the pregnancy and help them once they've had their baby, whether they place the baby for adoption or decide to parent. Mm. How many Planned Parenthood is in Arizona? <clears throat> Today in Arizona, I believe we have nine licensed abortion clinics, and out of those nine abortion clinics, three or four of them are run by Planned Parenthood. Okay, and then those are producing 14000 a year? Right. Yeah, that, that's the last year. I believe it was for um, 2021 was the last year. It was 13998 to be exact. Mm. Wow. So even though the federal level that abortion is 
band. And here in Arizona, there's nothing changed. Well, um, not no, not yet. And but and even at the you know federal law does not prohibit abortion. So every you know there's not any federal law that the federal laws only prohibit like partial birth abortions and require that a baby that's been born alive following an abortion has to be given appropriate medical care. So we have state and federal laws that go to that. But there's no federal law that, I mean, federal law, yeah, federal law still allows the states to decide and does not make abortions generally um, illegal. I mean, yeah, abortion on the federal level is legal, except in, um, you know, the, unless it's a type of like the partial birth abortion um, type of procedure. Hmm. Why are they so promoting for partial uh, life abortion? Well, um, you know, the, the abortion industry for a long time has said that partial birth abortions don't happen, but we know that they do. And it's it's just a gruesome procedure that I won't share exactly what happens, but it's a way to take the baby's life at a later stage of pregnancy. And it's not legal in our state, and it's not legal in the, in the United States. Um, so we hope that it's not happening. But I will say that enforcement of abortion laws, of pro-life laws, is challenging because for women it is a vulnerable time, it's a tough time, it's a sad time. And so until we have a whistleblower that tells us what's going on inside that abortion clinic, Mm. we frequently don't know. That's Mm. why it's so important what Abby Johnson did with her book Unplanned and her movie Unplanned, because she exposed the abortion industry's dirty little secrets Mm. and how they treat women. And, you know, really in the abortion industry, they're about making money far more than they are about providing for women's health and safety. Mm. But how come that... um we're afraid of the Planned Parenthood. How how big is the organization, and why are we so afraid of them? Uh, well, I wouldn't say that we're afraid of them, but I would say that, that Planned Parenthood um, has done um, a great job of marketing itself. Mm-hmm. Um, they have vast sums of money, and that they have been able to um, scare women, I would say, into thinking, into you know, thinking lies about um, the abortion procedure. I don't think that they really promote adoption. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they really tell women about the risk of the procedure. And so um, that's been Planned Parenthood for years. That their goal is to make sure abortion's legal, mm-hmm. and they will spend millions and millions to do it. it while mm-hmm. all, all at the same time, they take about five hundred or six hundred million in taxpayer dollars nationwide every year. Mm. So if we, anyone advocating against the the Planned Parenthood, are they getting any um, uh, negative impact on lives? Or is it, I mean, like, that's what the impression is. Well, if I, um, any of the pregnancy resource centers or the pro-life groups, there's no federal or state funding for those groups. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's there's no state funding for Planned Parenthood to speak of but there's there's certainly federal funding, and um, even um, Arizona's governor Katie Hobbs, in 2023, she vetoed, uh, well, she blocked any funding that would go to a group like Maggie's Place. Maggie's Place is a um, a nonprofit group that provides has um, several houses in Maricopa County. They provide housing for a homeless pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she can stay there, have her baby, you know, live live for I think up to a year or two and has been given resources and help to get on her feet, to be able to take care of her and her baby if she chooses to, to keep her baby and parent. And so the 
the state for a number of years under Governor Ducey had been providing funding to help Maggie's Place with the incredible work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And Governor Katie Hobb said no funding. So at a time when we have a homeless crisis in Maricopa County, um, Governor Hobb said homeless pregnant women aren't going to get any help from her. So that um, is just very unfortunate. And it's, it's one of the things that has changed in our government. Mm. I'm I'm just learning. I mean, just probably I'm asking the question like about people who doesn't know a lot about this uh, abortion industry. A lot of people um, walk into this clinic, probably they're not informed or educated. They're too young. And still we are in the dark, feels like a dark age in this area. And so um, I feel like, is there a, most of them, as a low-income people are having abortion? Now, I don't have the demographic information in front of me, but no, I would not assume that it's, it's only low-income women. I mean, there's certainly a, a, a substan- you know, probably a substantial portion, but I don't have those numbers in front of me. Okay, so the Meg's uh, house, I mean, I thought the blue uh, is more advocating the people on the privileged so why are they not funding the Maggie's House? Well, because they don't want anything that's going to help women have their babies. Mm. That's all I can. That's all I can surmise is that um, to deny funding for Maggie's Place to help homeless pregnant women, that that has to just be that they're not going to do anything that's um, at all is promoting life of an unborn child. Mm. Okay. And so let's go to the parental right. I think you advocated about parental right in abortion, on school, all these area. Where are we at today? Well, in Arizona, currently for a minor daughter to get an abortion, mm-hmm. she either has to have her parents' consent or she has to get a court and get an order from a judge to allow the abortion to proceed. Mm-hmm. So this is to ensure that parents have oversight. In other areas, we um, we do have an Arizona law mm-hmm. that parents have a fundamental right to oversee the education, health care, and well-being of their children. Mm-hmm. And so that protects parents in having um, significant say in different educational matters. Mm-hmm. Um, for If your child is in the public schools, for your child to be in a sex education class, there has to be written parental consent. You have to sign a form that says that your daughter or son can participate in sex education classes in the public school, so that protects the parent from something should not happen without the parent knowing about it. Mm-hmm. We have um, we have laws that also um, allow a parent to opt their child out mm-hmm. of any school activity that is offends their personal, moral, or religious beliefs. And then, of course, we have what we call educational freedom, that every parent in this state of a K-12 through child is able to get um, an empowerment scholarship account that is uh, basically it's a scholarship um, from the state that's about $7,000, $7,300 a school year to place their child in private school or to homeschool their child. So this enables the parent, regardless of income level, to be able to um, choose the education setting that best meets their child's needs. So this has really opened up opportunities for families. Mm-hmm. And you know what we say at Center for Arizona Policy is how a parent educates their child is between a parent and God. Mm-hmm. And we want to support the parents in whether their choice is homeschool, private schools, charter schools, district schools, online academies, micro schools, that we're there to support the parents mm-hmm. in choosing that education. So 
So having empowerment scholarship accounts or having school tuition um, mm-hmm. scholarships, um, school tuition organization scholarships have really opened up avenues for parents mm-hmm. to be able to afford private school tuition and, and receive a different education for their child. And we see families who are experiencing now, mm-hmm. they change their child's school and their children are blossoming. Mm-hmm. And so this is not, you know, oftentimes it gets framed as um, attacking the public schools or and it's not that at all. It's simply empowering parents to help their children get the best education. And you know, some families, they may have, they have three or four children. They may have chosen a different school option for each one of their children. Mm, yeah. And so this law is still protected because California looks like a parent right is totally losing at the state. Well, it's interesting that you bring up a great point. Uh, in, in California... Um, and this, unfortunately, could happen to a parent in Arizona. Someone could take your child to California, and California would get emergency. Would a court, California court, could grant emergency custody of a child to someone that wants to help them get gender transition surgery, puberty blockers, or hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. In Arizona law today, a minor child cannot receive gender transition surgery. Mm-hmm. So the child, it's illegal for a 15-year-old girl to have what's called top surgery Hmm. and have a mastectomy. Uh, Now, a minor child can get puberty blockers or hormone therapy, Mm -hmm. but at least they can't get surgery. So that's one thing that the Arizona lawmakers passed a couple years ago. And so that's where we certainly think that, um, well, I would go so far as to say it's child abuse, what's happening to children. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, wondering about this, I just would encourage you to listen. There's a new term called detransitioners. And so, for example, there's a young woman, Chloe Cole. She's active on X, formerly known as Twitter. She's speaking all over the country. And Chloe talks about um, at a young age of 14 or 15, thinking that she was a boy, Mm. going to transition from girl to being a boy. She had the top surgery. Mm. She um, then decided at the age, I think, 16 or 17, that she no longer wanted to be a boy, and she wanted to be a girl. So she has transitioned back to being a girl. And she has, you know, she tells her story because, um, you know, what child at 15 really knows what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And she was abused by really the, the medical industry mm-hmm. that went along and did that to her. Mm-hmm. And so here's a young woman who will never be able to nurse a child. Mm-hmm. And it's a tragedy um, what is being done to, um, to young boys and girls. And so that's why um, we think that at a minimum, you know, these surgeries should not be happening until... The child is 18, and so we and we have a podcast with Arizona with Cap called Engage Arizona, mm-hmm. and we did a podcast recently with a young woman named Kate mm-hmm. who has a story very similar to Chloe's. So for those who wonder what's going on with this with this whole area, I just would encourage you to to do some research and look into it. Mm-hmm. The child at 12 or 13 or 14 thinks they want to be the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they grow out of that, and they're content being who God made them to be. And mm-hmm. so, it, but it's very dangerous what's happening to children today and, and what popular culture is trying to tell children. So how can <laughs> the, our audiences well, will protect this law, the parental right in this Arizona? What do we have to uh, watch and, and uh, you know, pro- proactively protect this law? Because I think it's extremely important. I, um, a couple of things. Um, on our azpolicy.org website, we have um, policy pages. 
And so we have policy pages that are there on parents' rights, on abortion laws, on the harms of, of gender issues, um, harms of pornography. Um, so we have a number of policy pages. We're actually right now going through the process of revising and updating all of those policy pages. Mm. So I would say access the policy pages at azpolicy.org to learn more about these issues. And then this is where voting matters. Um, if you're not registered to vote, be sure that you're registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, for the November 2024 elections, the August 2024 primary election, know who you're voting for. Know whether they think that parents have a right to oversee these medical decisions, what they think about life. And that's where um, the resources that we provide through Center for Arizona Policy is AZ Voter Guide. It's azvoterguide.com. We'll be talking more about it next year. But that's where we try to provide a handy tool for the voters to find out where candidates stand on the issues that concern us, especially those that concern parents. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for serving Arizona family. And thank you so much for being with us. Grateful to be on with you. Thank you for the work you're doing. Okay, thank you. Yes, uh, so please go to the CAP uh, uh, website and just inform and be educated. And please just support uh, this organization and financially and also voluntary uh, matter. Thank you so much for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Being early is a good thing, right? The early bird gets the worm. Early to bed, early to rise. So why not early voting? You don't have to wait until November 7th. Early voting runs now through November 4th. And with all 140 seats in the Virginia House and Senate up for election, every vote counts. Visit your local registrar's office to learn more about early voting or make your voting plan at vote.virginia.gov. That's vote.virginia.gov.